0: You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network, as we come to you to do another episode of our favorite show in the world. Oh, we love it. It's great. It's Third Watch. Uh, we're here to do Collateral Damage Part 1. No other episode happened in the last two weeks. We don't need to talk.
1: About... <coughs> nice try, Ben. Uh, nice try. Episode
0: 13, of Season 4, Snowblind happened on the 27th of January, 2003, a day after Australia Day, and it was written by everybody's favourite drunk, Scott Williams, and directed by a former good friend of ours, and then he stopped being our friend when he directed this piece of shit. Um, yes, Snowblind. Snowblinds, my name is Ben, and
1: ooh, ooh, ooh,
0: that's me vomiting, and also it was a quote in the
1: episode, because a couple of people vomited in this episode. It was that bad. My name's Darvell, and we're responsible, we're responsible city employees who are idiots and didn't realize there was a storm coming.
0: I legitimately did not write down any quote that is capable of being used in this episode. There is no quote. You quoted something. Good for you. I'm glad. I'm happy. Great. Awesome. Go team Darvell. I legitimately had no quote that I could use in this episode. Uh, That's a first.
1: Like That is a first. I don't. I don't think I know of any other episode of Third Watch... Specifically, you know, cause I mean, that's the one we covered. I don't think I know of any other episode where you did not have a quote at all.
0: Well, now we definitely have one. Um, uh, there's a few things I want to point out before we get into a things for you here. Now, next week we go into another two-parter and, you know, it's, it's an okay two-parter. It's not great, it's not bad, it's, it's there. But, um, can we just essentially say that in a week's time we go back to Ed Allen Bonero writing Third Watch, which is a good thing. Um, uh, so. Um, clearly he also did that following after Firestarter as well, so, um, I just, like, Scott Williams, what is wrong with you? Um, you wrote some good episodes of this show in the past, what, what has changed, um, that you write this rubbish? I just, I just don't know. Um, but this episode is terrible. This is a terrible episode of Third Watch. I will always say, again, like we said in Firestarter, that I would probably still watch this episode over the best episode of Grey's Anatomy and some other shows out there. It's still Third Watch. We love this show to bits. But for people like Barb, other people out there who has commented on our things in the past and said, I would never been an episode of Third Watch, please, I want a lengthy explanation in the comment section below of how you can honestly defend anything in this episode.
1: It is terrible. It is terrible. It is terrible. I wonder what, and this is just because I missed the interview, but I wonder what Guy Norman B. had to say when you interviewed him and you mentioned this particular episode. Because I, cause I do remember you saying you kind of held his feet to the fire on this. Well, I mean, I... It's honestly
0: been a few months and I don't generally remember anything I've done except it's been in the last, like, two hours. I don't even remember who you are half the time, Davio. But um I do... Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I do remember sort of asking him about it and the fact of the matter was that he directed it and didn't write it so he can't really be held accountable for it. I need to go back and listen to it a little bit more too. But, um you know, it's it's so funny with this episode is that I feel like I've seen this episode more times than some episodes in season four, because there's just a level of familiarity to this episode that I don't know if I ever watched this. Like, maybe this was an episode that I recorded off TV and just happened to be on a VHS tape or something like that, because I feel like I know this episode a lot more than I should. And maybe that's just because I lock it in my head so much that this is a bad episode. And even in the straight away in the beginning, I this, there are times in TV shows where the whole... Thing of let's show a bad thing happening in the beginning and then go to the earlier that day or 10 hours oh, later.
1: Yeah, I, 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 didn't, I really, I did not like that. There, I, mean, I really didn't. That works
0: for a lot of the time. There are things, there are ways you can do that that it works. And, uh, and we had that, didn't we last season with Hobart and kind of how that happened? Like it worked. I think that kind of that was the way that you could actually have that working. Whereas, this to me, like straight away, it's it's terrible. And Molly Price, I love you to bits. I have given you so much praise that you are so brilliant. You are so great. You are the star of six seasons of Third Watch. You are the number one headline star of this show. We've we've given you that with a bullet. But like, and this I think just goes down to the terrible writing. She is so bad in this opening sequence, like the vomiting and the going off at Fred and just like everything along those lines. It. It doesn't make sense to me, because the way it's portrayed, that you feel like there's this big question over who told Emily she can go to the park, and just her going off at Fred, and all this sort of stuff. Like, even when they find her in the car, to me, she's not as panicky as she is here, and it's just, ugh,
1: ugh, ugh! Well, the... Well, I mean, the... It may be a little over over the top, but I do kind of get it. I mean, that is her child in that being worked on in there. It's a highly emotional situation, and but yeah, I don't like I don't like where it was placed. I always thought that that would be more fitting that that would that probably would have worked better at the end of the episode, yeah. and it could have been a cliffhanger. Will yeah. Emily survive? I agree. It would have worked better there.
0: Completely agree. We do not need. The whole, let's show what happens in the end to go back to see how it happened because I'm gonna say this right now. I don't give a shit about Emily if she lives or dies at this point. So for me, I want a, like, this be brought at the beginning of the episode to be like, oh my god, Yokos is shot. How did she get shot? What's happened? Like, do this with someone that you care about. You know, it's, it's like going back to Bosco and Hobart. You're worried. Why is Bosco being held hostage? Like, what is happening? You know, you, you're concerned. You hear a gunshot. Like, what is going on? Whereas this time around, like, fucking Emily, who cares? <laughs> like, this is, we're going back to what we we're talking about previously about Cruz and how much hate she's sort of getting by the fans throughout this season. I just, I know Emily sort of got some hate, but to me, Emily does not get the hate she deserves. And, I was kind at the beginning to say, like, oh, Bonnie Nelson, I love you. And I do. Bonnie Nelson, you're great. I love you. And I felt like I was a little bit nicer to Emily's character. But she's just so goddamn annoying at this point. I'm, I'm really disliking her even worse, more so than anything here. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, yeah. it makes no sense to why she's even in this situation. So, I'm starting already, Darvell. Like, I'm starting already. Oh, oh, Yeah. <laughs> Just and you, the- <laughs> and you, you are n-
1: you are not going to let up. I should probably paint
0: the picture here for what is happening. We begin this episode with Emily being wheeled into hospital, and then yep. Yoke is essentially yelling at Fred. It's his fault. So makes no sense in the grand scheme of what this episode is going to bring us. Um, I will say though that I like the this whole idea behind this episode. I think makes for an interesting episode. It's kind of the anti-blackout hot day episode. Whereas the fact that, you know, we had the blackout, we had it where it was like stinking hot and things like that. So this is the opposite. You need to have like a massive blizzard, a freezing cold day. And I just feel that like take out the Emily OD from this episode, add a few other elements to it, and you could have had a good episode of third watch. Like it, to me, I, I like this idea of building an episode around a massive blizzard snowstorm. It's great, but we, it's just ruined. Like, it's... It's ruined. (laughs)
1: By... The Emily... uh, And uh, now... And now I'm thinking, hmm, what... What could they have done... Instead of the Emily overdose, what could they have done... What other things could they have done that would have made this episode more tolerable? For some reason, I immediately thought of the plot of Cold Front. But Mm. then I thought, no, wait, they did that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could combine that. That could work. That's a thing. Like, yeah... I mean, th- that would work a lot better than this. Honestly, you could have a pink and purple donkey walk through the street of New York singing the greatest hits of Brian Adams, and that would make more sense and be more entertaining <laughs> than anything else that happens in this episode. And I would like to see that, actually. Um, that's, that's a, that's a cool idea for a TV show. Yeah. You're welcome, writers no. out there who are struggling for original ideas. Um, but. We get the credits, um, and then we have earlier today flashing up on the screen. And we've got Joker's at home, um, and there's a movie on TV, and it's Body Heat for those playing at home. If you didn't know what this movie was, Um oh, apparently I a, wondered what it was. Apparently, a very sexy movie, and uh, gets gets Fred and Faith a little bit hot under the collar. Um, you know, gets them a bit horny. Barvel,
1: to use mm-hmm. that word. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And- yeah, we yeah we we say we say horny. Well I'm
0: glad you say horny. Uh Then then we cut into another bit, which yep. again makes no sense and it makes me mad. Scott Williams, did you sit down with Charles Murray, who wrote the previous week's episode to work out what the hell is going on between Bosco and Tory? Or did you just go, fuck you, Charles, I'm going to write my own shit. You go away. Pass me the bottle of vodka. I'm not that drunk yet. He writes into this episode... <laughs> that that Bosco is now back in bed with Tori, and we have this scene of them discussing what their favourite movie is. Now, at the end of last week, Bosco went to her door, was like, nah, and walked away. In what world is this woman, Tori, who seems very nice, but obviously she's got some, I guess issues with men and the fact that she doesn't necessarily feel comfortable in just having a one night stand she wants commitment in what world does somebody in that situation man or woman forgive a person for standing them up and then get back into bed with them in another point like that it's just it's,
1: it's someone who believes in someone who believes in second chances
0: and what's even stupider is the and fact plus- that correct me if I'm wrong Darvel, is that after this episode we never see Tori again so, like, it's kind of, no, is this, we don't. is this meant to be an implication that Bosco, cause he even says in this episode, like, I really like her. Like, no, you don't. We never see her again. <laughs> yeah. Like, good on you, Scott, for being team Bosco and Tori, but you're stupid because it doesn't go anywhere else. Am I blaming, I, mean, I meant to blame Underwriters because you didn't sit around a writer's room or no, I'm blaming you because you brought this up in this episode. <laughs> I have a thing in front of me right now that says you are the writer of this episode, Scott. You are getting the blame for this episode, all right? You are getting the blame. (laughs) So
1: So, Scott Williams, come on this podcast and please, please, please try, try to defend it.
0: Try, try to defend it, all right? So, and even this scene, it makes me cringe because it's kind of just the whole, like, you know... Oh, you know, I like The Godfather, but no, I'm not going to put my movie at the top of a bunch of scales in it. Oh, no, my favourite movie is a different interpretation of an Oscar winner, Forrest Hump. Like, what is that? Like, I'm not debating the merits of a good put-together pornography film. I'm debating the merits of how hammy and stupid that this goddamn writing and dialogue is. Uh, <laughs> I just also want to point out that Forest Hump is an actual movie. Uh, man, it's actually an actual. I wondered film. that it is. Um, a, a friend told me. So. Uh,
1: <laughs> oh, is that what they say now? Uh um, sure you didn't watch it yourself.
0: I I have never watched Point in My Life. Davy, what are you talking about? So
1: it's it's
0: it's a it's uh, it's bad. It's it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Uh, we have Davis and Carlos waiting for a bus... Because Davis' car's in the shop and they picked up their phone for some reason. I don't even understand this whole thing at the beginning of this episode where they're all kind of, like, dodging phone calls because they don't want to come in early because they don't want to go to work early. They all have to go to work anyway. They're all going to be complaining about the cold later on. And, okay, you're all basically being a bunch of dodgy dicks to not want to go into work because you don't want a couple of extra hours overpaid to work in the cold? Like, what is that? <laughs> I don't know. This is like the biggest storm in what, like six years, seven years, 1996, Sully says. So, back then, it's a seven yeah. year gap. Like, hands on deck, people. You can't avoid this. So, I don't know. I'm gonna have to deal with it eventually. Uh, it, it's kind of strange. The one bit I do kind of like the bit, though, when, um, davis says about we're idiots for answering our phones and then the way carlos is like oh i'm gonna get my phone disconnected our phone disconnected and David's like yeah good idea so scott williams look you got a slight bit of praise there for some funny dialogue and i'm just going to put yes. that down to the fact that you've got two great actors who can deliver the piece of crap that you wrote them really good um uh, <laughs> so yeah. anyway guess where this episode's going right now darvel it's gonna get even better because guess who we get to meet right now Ugh, ugh. Eric. Uh, Eric. Now, we've had some good characters in this show that we've been slightly mean about. You know, people that we haven't liked, people that we thought were bad, Dirty Kid springs to mind, Um, other people out there. Can I just point this on the record, that Eric Beckman, up until this point of Third Watch, is the worst character that we have ever had, and not just because he is a douche who gives a fourteen-year-old girl drugs and is a sleazeball, and then abandons her. Because he is meant to be a douchey character. That is essentially what he's written for. Can I just point out that and he... The, he, and he just, the
1: actor and the actor plays it, plays that douchey character really well. Yeah, I'll, I'll, he does.
0: I'll give it to him. He does. But at the same time, I don't even want to defend this actor because he's a knob. I don't like him. I don't like his face. I don't like anything about this character, or just how the fuck a fact, knob, uh, an idiot, a a, a douchebag, okay. douche nozzle. Uh, okay, <laughs> just <laughs> okay. A fuckwit, all right. A fuckwit. He's a fuckwit. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. He just, like... Alrighty. The thing that I just don't get with, like, Emily is that Emily's portrayed as such a smart girl. Like, as someone who is intelligent, and since she's, like, and, aged and, and so she's, many and years... She's, and
1: she's just so fucking dumb
0: here. But it's, like, this whole thing just dumbs Emily down so much. And, like, I know that I'm here saying I do not like Emily. She gives me the shits. But, like... Scott, you dumbed her down so much. What was it, three weeks ago? She's surviving a, a bank robbery of four it was longer than that, wasn't it? Like five weeks ago now. And like Thereabouts, you've yeah. kind of given her this, you know, overarching storyline of standing up to a mum and saying, like, how many people did you kill? and all this sort of stuff. And this is just like my huge problem with this episode is that If you have to do this episode, do it before the bank robbery because you've just taken anything that people have done with Emily in the last few weeks and thrown it out the window. And we get them walking in on their parents basically fooling around on the couch and essentially her coming home. And Yoko's is absolutely right. She's like, well, we didn't answer the phone, so you thought we'd be home alone. So, you know, she's essentially bringing over this boy over to her house With Charlie going to be playing toys in the room while you know she's off in the room playing with other toys, whatever. Yeah. Um. And then just, just, oh, I just, I'm so angry, Darville. I need to take a breath here. Um. Okay. This is a show I love, and they give me such crap to work with here. But we have Eric, who is just the slimiest, douche nozzly fuckwit ever just the way he comes in and has that smile on his face and he's just he's honestly just got a face i really want to punch can i just say that on the record and i'm not a violent person i've never punched anyone in my life so this would be a first but i just don't like the look of this guy (laughs) if i was fred in this situation i would take one look at him and go get out of my house go on get out of my house and the thing, too... I'm surprised they didn't. The thing that does not make any sense in this whole situation is that Jokas has spent all day dodging phone calls. She gets caught out by her own daughter falling around with her husband on the couch only to answer the phone to go into work. It's stupid! You've been dodging them all day!
1: <laughs> just... And now you all of a sudden want to go in. Oh,
0: anyway... I want to go in to therapy that I've watched this episode. We then have Alex walking in in like a thousand layers of coats and somehow Doc, this is my new back in the firehouse and not in Yoko's apartment just to point that out. Yep. Alex isn't just randomly yep. walking into the Yoko's residence Um and somehow Doc can tell a person walking up with 50,000 coats and again terrible dialogue because this should be some sort of funny situation. We've got Kim and Doc talking and then we see this person walking up with all these layers on. We can't tell who it is. To which Kim turns around and says like, "How did you know that was Alex?" But Dr. replying was like, "Because she's wearing more coats than you are." How does that make you know who she is? That could be Walsh, that could be DK. It doesn't matter who they are. Maybe are you replying, Alex is Maybe weak? It's,
1: maybe it's something she maybe it's something she's done done before just not in an episode if that makes sense
0: that would make sense Darville. but again we don't know this because scott williams has written this and we don't know why that is even a thing (laughs) (laughs) oh anyway so moving forward they're calling doc's calling up uh, a bunch of people to try and find uh anybody to come working in carlos is there uh, we find out that Eve has gone uptown to work, so hey, there's a bit of clarification what happened to our beloved Eve a couple of episodes ago. And let's add another notch into the stupidness belt, because here is a man who is accused of sexual assault, who is a man who basically has been put on cleaning duty for how long, who a week ago, Doc was essentially on his, against his, story and was on team nicole's side and because there's a big blizzard doc is willing to risk his career by putting this man on to help out during the day because a doc is nice and b doc has done a davis a week ago and just taken some stupid pills so
1: it's and and c he's understaffed
0: like even if you're understaffed like doc is the type of person who would then say to lou first or like ring up downtown and be like look we are short-staffed. I need him. Can we get clearance? He's not just going to put him out there. I feel, and it's just right. It, it just, just they take it all and put him out there, and it's kind of like, okay, great. And then even the line when he turns around and says, "I don't want to not have my best paramedic out there."
1: When has Doc ever best para-
0: ever acknowledged
1: said that? Carlos as his best paramedic? I mean, and
0: even in a few weeks' time like when we get kind of this promotion situation happening with doc and kim later on it's implied that kim is the second best or the best or whatever you want to say so again it makes no sense it makes no sense that doc would say that um we then have emily with faith and sort of having all these questions about like oh you were going to bring him up here and all this sort of stuff and, you know, Yoke is cracking the whip, like, no boys in this apartment when we're not home. And Emily's like, oh, he's so cute. He's not cute. He's a douche nozzle who you want to punch in the face, who looks like a pig climbed up his nose and made him look uglier than he even is. Um, and then kind of we get the implication there about, like, you know, if any boy tries to force you up into this apartment, you tell him I'm a cop. And it's like, yeah, mom, like, nobody doesn't know that you're a cop. And then we have Fred and Eric having a conversation about wrestling, to which Fred says wrestling is an art form. Now, look, I'm just going to offend anybody out there who does a sport of wrestling. We talk about this on Off the Podium. Wrestling is one of the stupidest sports I've ever seen in my life. I'm talking about Olympic wrestling here, not like the WWE. Um, it is dumb. It is just people on the ground hugging. It is really stupid. <laughs> It is such Keep a dumb sport, on the ground hugging. And I love sports. I've
1: never heard it described as that's that. That's
0: a nice way of putting it, Darvel. Can I just point out, like, if if they were naked, which they were back in ancient Olympic times, uh, and you added a bit of wiki wiki wow wow and the best, you've got Forrest Hump. Like, essentially, that's what you have. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> makes me dislike this episode even more. The fact that Scott Williams is here trying to claim that wrestling is an art form. And when have we ever heard Fred? Talking about him doing wrestling in high
1: school—just uh, <laughs> something they just threw into the episode. We have a conversation to, here in the to pre- maybe. Go ahead, sorry. To maybe <laughs> I'm trying to get through this that, <laughs> Well, Eric is obviously trying to turn on the charm here, so. Ugh, it's disgusting. Um, I'm not. it is we're back at the we're back
0: at the precinct uh everybody's coming in and talking about it and now another thing that annoys me with this episode that kind of comes out of nowhere is that here is Sully, and he's all super happy and he's called himself in and everything along those lines and can we just read here the synopsis that it has on wikipedia Sully's stopped drinking but his poor attitude remains where is the poor attitude? What poor attitude? He's like actually quite good this episode and then later on it's implied that he's grumpy still. And this is where the writing is weird and doesn't make sense that they're portraying Sully as being happy all of a sudden. It's like, no, it's, it's Ugh. stupid. It's, it's dumb. <laughs> so. I don't understand what's happening here. Um, Sully Ooh, nice. talks about the fact that snow falls at certain temperatures and it's eighth grade science or something.
1: Thank you, Al Roker.
0: Yep, something like that. Then we have a really random scene between Jimmy and Kim of Jimmy being silly and throwing shoes at her. And it, again, it makes no sense. They're trying to put some comedy in this episode. Mm-hmm. And Scott Williams writing comedy is like me writing a Shakespeare novel. It just, it doesn't turn out well at all. So, not that I can write a Shakespeare novel. Shakespeare's written all these novels already. He's dead, but you know what I'm talking about. It's smart yeah, things, yeah. all right? That's essentially what I'm trying to uh, imply. Um, let's cut back to the Yoker's apartment because Emily and Eric have been left alone in their room for God knows how long, and they're trying to sneak outside, which Fred wakes up and is basically like, where are you going? Oh, you're going out for a couple hours to the park. Oh, okay, come back uh, and don't take Charlie with you. Yeah, Fred, good news. Let's put your 14-year-old daughter out in a massive snowstorm because that's safe. And also, why are you worried about her going out and being alone with the boy when you've left him and her alone in their room for however long you've been sleeping on the couch wall? She's pregnant right now, Fred. It's your fault.
1: <sighs> Sorry. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Speechless. Oh. No, no. No, it's not you. It's just... This episode? Oh, man.
0: You 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 can jump in here and say whatever you want because I feel like I'm talking about how bad this is, and you're not really saying a lot about it.
1: I find it more entertaining to listen to you rant and rave about it. Well, I'm glad one person does because
0: I'm sure a lot of other people right now are probably just I don't know. Well, both our listeners, are-
1: although I do, although I do want to point, I I do want to mention something. Uh, didn't Faith say earlier that? that they that they could that they could go to the park.
0: Yeah, well this is this is where that whole opening sequence does not make sense because like the whole opening sequence it's basically implied that Yoko F- hasn't said yes she can go to the park and then Fred basically is like yeah no you did. So we heard Yoko say you can go to the park with some friends and then she says oh I'm going to do snow angels and then even later on when we had that phone call between Fred and Yoko essentially when He's like, you said she could go to the park. And she's like, no, I said, no, sorry. He said that, oh, you said she can go do Snow Angels. And she's like, no, I said she could go to the park. What's the difference? <laughs> like, Snow Angels in the yeah, park. I'm wondering if- yeah. Like, w- how is that a thing? Like, w- oh, no, you can go outside and make Snow Angels, but you can't
1: go to the park. Or, oh, you can go to the park, but you can't make Snow Angels. <laughs> like, why did I even, <laughs> it makes no Ugh. sense. You no, know, um, too bad we can too bad we will never, too bad we will never get Molly Price on here.
0: Well, look, cause it's, I don't think that's a Molly Price question. I think that's a Scott Williams question because she just reads the lines that this idiot writes for us. So that's essentially what we would have to question about it. Um, we then have, um, Sully and, uh, Davis driving along in the snow to which they find Yokos. They pick her up and take her there and, This is where, again, none of this makes sense with Sully's attitude because Davis apologises to Sully what he said a week ago. They get Yoka's in the car, and then they're talking about raising teenagers. Sully jokes to Davis that he's raising a teenager, and for some reason, Davis gets really snappy about it, which I feel that Davis would just play along with a joke like that and not just get all snappy about it. So... Don't. Uh, Davis, you're so out of character here. Yeah, I just don't understand. Um, and
1: this was Scott Williams' last written episode, wasn't it?
0: I uh, hope it was. No, 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 no. I think he's got a few more to come after this, I feel. Um well, they've quickly, got to be better than this. If I quickly scroll through this, uh, yeah, well, again, well, I think, did we not establish that he co-writes Last Call, one of the best episodes of Third Watch?
1: Oh, yes, that's right.
0: He does co-write it with Ed Allen Bonero. So my, my inkling there is that Ellen, Ed Allen Bonero wrote everything and Scott Williams just wrote by Scott Williams on it, just to get an extra screenwriting credit on there. Um, he also writes Closing In, then he writes My Opening Farewell in Season 5. He writes Surrender in Season 5. He writes Blessed and Bewildered. In season five, as well as higher calling. Um, so yeah, he does still write a few more episodes moving. Like, he kept his job after writing this episode. So, um, yeah, somehow he managed to, yeah. to do that. But, um, yeah, so we've now got Bosco showing, uh, Yoke showing up to work. Bosco tries to school her in eighth grade science. I mean, this is meant to be a funny moment, but, um, it really doesn't work that well. Um,
1: because it, Probably because it was already said.
0: Yeah. Basically. Well, just, but even the way that, like, it's kind of implied that Bosco is just using something smart to make himself sound smart. It's just the way they kind of portray it doesn't work. Yeah. Then, Joker's questions Bosco about the first time he had sex, like, what age would you? And the thing that really annoys me about this is the fact that, this is something they use in a lot of shows where kind of, you know, they'll talk about like, oh, when was the first time you had it? And you're got to assume someone like Bosco was quite young when he lost his virginity, but he mentions several times, like, hey, I was a lot older than you think. This is one of these things where it's just a subtle little moment where we should get an answer at some point in the episode. We never get an answer! Like, it's dumb. Why is this even in the episode? Like, it's to try and like, oh, you know, here's this creepy Eric wanting to, you know, sleep with my 14-year-old daughter. Like, what, what are you getting out of it, Jokas? Like, why? Oh, it's, it's just, and like, man, oh, man. and even when like, Yokos here is saying like, he was polite, too polite, and Bosco's like, oh man, you're in trouble. Like, this is the part where Yoko should be on the phone and tell Emily, and, like, get away from this douche nozzle fuckwit. Um, <laughs> and speaking of douche nozzle fuckwit, um, here is Eric, who can drive, good for him. He drives a pretty nice car for a 17 year old in Manhattan. Um, probably a rich dad. Well, obviously. And what does he do? He parks in a snowstorm and then essentially starts to mack it on with Emily. And this is where you've going to be like, Emily, how dumb are you? And it's just kind of like, what do you think he wants? And when he's going to pull out some drugs in a minute, like, what are you doing? Like, w- what are you doing?
1: <laughs> Emily, Emily, Emily.
0: I just, I just, I am just bewildered here. I, that... This is a thing. Um, meanwhile, Carlos is in the hospital. He's taken in the uh, the patient. Proctor sort of questions and says, like, oh, has uh, the whole sexual assault thing been cleared up? To which Doc turns around and is like, yeah, it's all done now. And then Carlos is, like, looking like, what? Why are you saying this? So, again, Doc is just further digging himself a hole here. Um, and then let's cut back to our favorite Joe in the car where Eric pulls out some special K. Special K. Hey, isn't that a breakfast cereal? Um, and then essentially. No. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a breakfast cereal in Australia. I, I, it is actually a thing. Um, and then gives the drugs. And then it's just basically like, Oh, you know, I, my brother takes it. It's fine. Oh, it'll only be half an hour. You won't even notice your high. Like, Emily is just, so dumb, and like I guess that's the point. It's the point that she's a naive teenage girl taking drugs, and this which is the whole, in some ways she is. But like, this is a thing. This is what happens in life. Teenagers, you know, they go ahead and they do it. They experiment. Fine, whatever. It's about growing up. But Emily is the mature teenage girl whose mother's a cop, who has to basically go through everything that she does, and we're meant to be led to believe that she is this dumb. That she would take drugs. I just do not believe this in a heartbeat. This would be like if all of a sudden they turned around and said, Oh, Jokas robbed a bank because she was held up in a bank. And she feels like, Oh, like, this is a way to make easy money. Like it just, it makes no Jokas sense. would never do that. Exactly. So there is no way that Emily would take drugs. It's just stupid. It is so
1: dumb. But then... What was I going to say? I have no idea. Um, we we all we all know though that you know it's often it's the last one it's the last ones you would le- it's the last ones you would expect.
0: Yeah, and I to
1: do something. Not defending it. Not defending it. Explaining it. I, I mean, we've all seen cop. We've all seen we all we've all seen or heard about you know kids of cops who break the law. We've all seen or heard about kids of pastors who are just fucking wild. But
0: I, I, I understand that, so. but I think I think an issue with this too, and it's, it's a Scott Williams thing that he clearly likes to do, let's go back to Firestarter, and what was one of the big issues we had with that episode, the fact that, randomly, it's the, the arson detective's son who is the person starting these fires. It comes out of nowhere, yes. there's no lead-up to it, and it's just kind of brought out of left field. Now, if you were going to have a storyline about Emily getting involved with drugs and it's a shock factor because she is the daughter of faith and that oh my god why is she doing it well let's have a build-up to this let's not meet a guy and within five minutes he's got it in a car and is giving her a bag of powder like have him introduced three weeks ago have it be a gradual build-up to then all of a sudden, oh guess what I'm an arsehole, have some special K like that's what they should do with this if they're trying to do this as a shock factor, it's so sudden, it's so random and this is again the issue with as I keep saying that we've had this big thing with Emily with the the bank robbery and she's come full circle, she's coming to respect her mother a little bit and that goes all out the window in five minutes because you got dopey eyed fuckwit with his curly hair popping up with a bag of powder, go here suck on this for a little bit, 30 minutes later, you'll be fine. And for some reason, she believes him. Oh, man. You know how people say that this is I've- just a TV show? Uh, clearly, yeah. I'm taking it a little bit too seriously. But <laughs> this is a show that I love. And it's like it's like if you took a person in your life that they loved and, like, like take, I don't know, your girlfriend, your mum, your dad, anybody, somebody who you love dearly, and a person, Scott Williams, goes up to a person and goes, Hello, who are you? Oh, I'm Darville Stewart's mother. Oh, nice to meet you. Uh I'm just going to take a shit all over you. Oh, okay, fair enough. Does a poo over your mum and walks off. You're going to be pretty angry, right? A guy has just taken a shit yeah. on your mum. That's not very nice. Scott Williams no, it is not. has taken a shit over my favourite TV show. I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm trying to explain this the best way I can about why I'm so angry.
1: Even- <laughs> Mallory's laughing in the background alright Even even I hey I'm sorry to bring your mother into this not I really hope <laughs> no No, it's alright.
0: that's a bad thing.
1: I get I get the point. Hey, <laughs> hey, even, even I can see that you're not happy. <laughs> I just what's a retribution uh, for my favorite TV show that
0: someone's taking a dump on it. It's not right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm starting to picture Mallory imitating you when you guys watch, when you guys watch this, when you guys watch the show and you get to this episode.
0: <laughs> She's gonna get to, the- oh, this is that episode you talked about pooing on mums. <laughs> 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 oh. You'll have to tell me, you'll have to tell me how you respond to that. <laughs> oh, I just, I, I just don't think we'll watch this episode. I think we'll just skip over it. Uh, it's just such a shame that this kind of does lead into more into next week. Like, can't this be just... You know, at least in Nip Tuck with Sal Perry, that rubbish episode, that it kind of it happened and then that was it. You never had to talk about it again. You literally can skip that episode and it does not cost you any, you know, story knowledge or anything during Nip Tuck. Whereas this one, you sadly kind of have to watch it to know what's going to happen with some stuff that happens from next week onwards. So that's kind yeah. of the sad bit. Um because it's gonna lead into a, an anti crime investigation from next week, you know. Cruz's sister's gonna be involved because of Eric the little shit. So, you know,
1: like we have Gosh. to we have to kind <laughs> Eric's of supplying K to, <laughs> oh. Eric's supplying special cater Eric's supplying special cater Cruz's sister too?
0: Oh who knows? Um where are we up to here? Alright, okay. So we've got Fred leaving a message for Emily again charlie drops the bomb that eric drives that's great uh, and uh, we then get the most like this is this episode random things happen that have nothing to do with anything and they're put in for comedic effect but there's just nothing works davis has been thrown up on he's washing his clothes that's it bye-bye that's a random bit that we needed to know why why is it there (laughs) like what is it like it makes no sense. Then we have a guy who's lost 3 of his fingers and essentially it's like oh well as a result of what? He's put his hand in like a chopper up or a like a um what are those things where you put oh. like um like you shove twigs oh, yeah. and stuff in it. You know? Uh a a, a mulcher? Mulcher, like it looks uh, that's what it looks like to me. So, mulcher, he's done yes. that, he's lost three fingers, and Alex, with her obligatory one week line episode, or whatever it is, like, oh, you haven't, you've chosen the best time to do this, and we've got random Kim in the background, fail, one. I don't want to see it, sorry. Um, <laughs>
1: just- okay, I didn't, I didn't get that, I thought that was, I thought there was, uh, Kim, you're a paramedic, you've seen much worse than that.
0: And then even and we get the, we get the line from Kim when she's like, I'm gonna kill Doc, like... Dude, you're helping a guy who just lost his fingers. Like, why are you going to, like... Because you're being made to work a shift that Doc's at fault because he made New York get hit by a blizzard? Like... <laughs> it's just... Really? Oh, and then it's it's kind of... It's... it's I think this is, a, like, again, an interesting bit of this episode that could have been done better in a different episode. Like... Having a guy lose fingers in the snow, and of course, it's going to be a good thing to lose. Well, no, it's not a good thing ever to lose fingers. But like, if you're going to lose fingers, do it in the snow where you can keep them on ice so they can be reattached. But it's just, it's just glossed over. It's glossed upon. Like, oh, ah, he lost his fingers. Let's move on. And then we have, and,
1: and we don't, and we don't find out if they are successfully reattached.
0: Well, we see not. him going to the hospital, so. but that's about it. Then we have Bosco and Yokus in the car, and Yokus is still questioning him about how old he was and lost his virginity. We don't get an answer. And then, um, Bosco's uh, sends Yokus out to go finish writing a ticket up, basically. Um, and then it's just, and it's also kind of just the cliche writing of this episode, too, the way you've got Yokus here and saying like, you know, Emily's a really level-headed girl. She would never oh, do anything wrong.
1: I cringed when she said that.
0: It's just, it's so over-the-top obvious. But- that something bad is going to happen to her. It's so over the top obvious from the moment that fuck Michael curly brain comes into the room that he's gonna clearly corrupt her. It's just, it, like, get a better actor. And go back those episodes again and lead it up to this. Like, that's, that's all you need to do in this situation. Is you need to have a better actor who you are on board with that you think is a nice guy and is treating Emily well, only to have the big reveal that he is a drug mule and he's trying to get a special K in a
1: system. Do you think this, uh, do you think that would have made this episode work? (laughs) Had they done that?
0: It could have made it a lot better and watchable. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I mean, the, the difference between this and, say, Sal Perry, which, again, the Nip Tuck episode that I shat all over, and not in a, a, well, I did shit over. I didn't shit over The writer of the episode did, right? I'm not going and shitting on people, right? I'm not Scott Williams. But it's, it's, the, the difference between this is that I feel that you have material here that in the hands of a better writer, you would have something that worked out well. We talked a few weeks ago about the the overlying long story arcs of Third Watch and how well they worked and how perhaps Season 4 is one of the better ones with the Sully storyline. But on the absolute flip side, and to really hit the negativity here, and it's really showing here, is there are these little storylines that they're kind of losing their way with and they're not doing them in a way that they could be doing good stuff with and this is the they've dropped the ball with Emily here they're just they're going for the shock value this is why they've brought her in as a a teenager now we talked about this at the beginning of the season the fact that we've dropped little innocent 12-year-old Emily who we barely remember yeah, the PJ name, Morrison I PJ Morrison to to Bonnie Dennison yeah. because she's a much more i guess open range capable actor Who can do these, you know, oh, well with me, I'm a teenager, I'm ruining everything line. Again, we've talked about Kim Bauer, how she became a pain in the ass in 24 after a while because they just kept shoving it in there. Oh my God, she's being chased by a cougar. Oh, like it's just, it's unnecessary and stupid. And if Third Watch was a more, a higher rated show, I feel like people would have revolted against this. And it pains me that people revolt against Cruz and they don't revolt against Emily as much as they should. So, mm, I'm complaining,
1: as I always do. <laughs> Welcome to the Oz Network. But, you know, yeah. Yes. if you've been listening a while, then you know that we tend to go off on tangents. <laughs> because
0: let's also get into the continued stupidity of the fact that, oh, what a surprise. The half-hour drug high has lasted longer and... Emily has OD'd, and oh no, Eric is just... He's going to get out of the car and find help in a fucking blizzard. Like, <laughs> I How live in a country do that? that there is barely any snow, but even I would not be stupid enough to walk outside in a blizzard like that. Like, I know that that's a bad idea, I think. Um, <laughs>
1: and high, no less. High as a fucking kite. No,
0: yes, less. well, and look again, who's high? He doesn't know what he's doing, but, like pff, this guy deserves to die in the snow, um, so where else are we here? Oh, and then we just get random storyline of homeless people who there's carbon monoxide poisoning, and then sully randomly the goes and goes off at homeless people because they're gonna loot it, like again, it just makes no sense, it's just shoved in there, and it's and like. Yes, you can argue that there are plenty of third watch episodes where you have these random little interactions between a patient and a paramedic or a a perp and a cop and things like that. And the difference is with this episode and those other ones is like there's, it's forced in a way that it just doesn't feel any form of natural. And it just feels like it's just so out of place to what we've got for this entire episode. All those other ones are just kind of done in a way where it works and it feels like it's a natural progression of what the episode should be. This just makes no sense. It makes no sense at all.
1: This whole fucking episode makes no sense.
0: It's, yeah, it is, it is just dumb. And then we've got random Yokus and Bosco bringing in a person with frostbite into the hospital. Yokus rings, talks to Fred about how they can't be, they can't find Emily. Uh, this is where we find Eric gets brought in. Bosco rings up Eric's dad. And then again, just as we discovered last week, about how, you know, there's 10 million people in New York City, but you can bump into someone in, like, a second, like Yoko did last week with Claire. Of all the hospitals and all the areas and everywhere you can go in New York City and all the times that they happen to be in the hospital, they just happened to be in the hospital... When Eric gets brought in, when Jocus happens to enter after the sentence, I'm going to have a word with Eric, and then for some reason Bosco goes, "Oh, well, that's a bit of a coincidence. This guy who just overdoses on drugs is also called Eric, and it just happens to be the same person." So it's just like
1: really. And then, of course, for dramatic effect, the dramatic mu the for effect, the dramatic music music kicks in right after he says, "Could it be Eric Beckman?"
0: Yeah. Exactly, and then of course we've got to have our beloved doctors at the hospital, who for some reason always let cops beat up on their patients because his yoke is essentially beating up on Eric. Mind you, though, I don't care. I enjoy watching him beat up Eric. He deserves to be beaten. As I said, he he needs a punch in the face. Well,
1: I mean, at first, I mean, at first she's she's just trying to wake him up, but then when when he starts coming when he starts coming around, and she's like, "Where is she?" and then she's like, "Eric," and then she's like,
0: "Eric." Yeah. It's, and like, physically assaulting this guy in the middle of the hospital. Um, and then just even when he wakes up and he's all like, oh, I don't know. It's like, where did you park? Somewhere. What type of car? What? Um, it's like, did you give her drugs? <laughs> and then, you know, she's yeah. all like, oh, I'll kill you if this ever happens. And he's like, am I in the hospital? This, this Joseph Cross is the guy who plays this guy. Joseph, you make me cross with your acting ability because you're not a good actor, and you really do make this Eric character even worse than he should be because your acting sucks. So, sorry, Joseph Cross. You're never going to appear on the show, and I don't want you on the show because you suck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just... It's terrible. So, this then leads us to our whole big conclusion of the Search. episode where... We're going to have to find Emily, and she's in a car somewhere in New York City. <laughs> oh,
1: this is not going to be hard to find. bit. they had something to go on because Doc did say, or was it Carlos? One of them said, you know, in his condition, in Eric's condition, there was no way he could have gotten very far.
0: Yeah, I mean, we do get those lines where sort of they, the search thing is a little bit smaller i'm being a bit more of a dramatic danny there or something like that but uh we do get a middle (laughs) bit here where davis and sully are being forced to stay the night at the precinct and sully then randomly drops a line about oh how am i meant to go to sleep without my little 90 night cocktail um and then like just the way davis is like oh am i feeling sorry for you no it's, it's kind of it goes back to davis having a bit of a go at sully but Sully has been happy all episode except for the one moment he went off at homeless people
1: for wanting to loot a dead person's place, which I think is fair enough. And then he wants a ninety and then he, and then he all of a sudden wants a nighty night cocktail. I thought he was. I thought he had stopped drinking. Well, this is, Come this on. is, this is where this just shows how bad the writing
0: is in this episode. And this isn't, isn't me just kind of being over dramatic on how drunk Scott Williams was in writing this episode, but that moment when he turns around and says like, Oh, how am I meant to have my nightly night cocktail? That's the moment where you should have Sally going like, I'm kidding, Davis, I'm kidding. And because this is the part where we're meant to believe that he's sober, but secretly he's actually drinking. That's, this is where that should be that case. And it makes no sense that you have Sully so happy at the beginning of the episode to being over dramatic and kind of like, oh, I need my drink and is going off at him to being all rescue savvy by the end of the episode. It's just, it's nowhere does that make sense. And that's, this is just one of the many elements of this episode that just annoy me so much. It's so all over the place in such an incoherent fashion that you're just like, what the hell is going on? <sighs> Exactly. That is my reaction. Um <laughs> so basically the rest of the episode now is finding Emily. Uh I mean the clever way that they have it is like let's put some sirens on and listen to um you know in the background And listen and Faith silence.
1: listens through the cell phone. That is a good move. It is a very good is. move. But then a couple of like, But they're they're lucky though that Emily was that Emily answered. Again, of the draw. The exactly,
0: form. exactly. But the, I guess the stupidity here that I think just does not work is that, look, like, at one point says like, Bosco, turn the siren off. I can't tell if it's ours or theirs. When they eventually hear the high-low of the ambulance and then they're out and about walking and listening, she is literally right next to the ambulance making the rrrrrrrrrrr <laughs> noise. And then yeah. she's like goes, "Wait a minute, I can hear it in the phone. It's getting closer. It's right next to you. How can you tell the difference between what's on your phone and what's right next to you?" It's dumb. They find the car. There she is. They get her out of the car. Yay, Emily's been saved. And then we end with a terrible montage of this weird song talking about, let me be your heroine. Now, is it meant to be kind of like... I didn't
1: bit- get that, I didn't get that either. Now, well, this is, is
0: it the, inter- open to interpretation? Is it saying that, like, I'm going to be your heroine because I've saved you, like, I'm your, you know, female hero that's come along to save you? Or is it essentially saying, let me be your heroine, like the drug? This poor girl is just fucking overdosed in special K. Like, what the hell is this music meant to mean? Um, but in this, uh, montage, we have Davis going to sleep in his cot and kind of staring down sad Sully. Uh, we have random Taylor scene looking out of a window and giving a look to Kim, like, okay, because we've got to remember that they still exist. What about Jimmy? Is he still throwing, sho- throwing shoes at people? Um, we've got Lieutenant Johnson then giving a bit of a look to Doc saying, come on, I need to talk to you in my office. Well, yeah, you broke Presumably a lot of protocol. Carlos. Buddy. Yes. And then we end the episode with Fred and Yoker staring at Emily on the bed to which Fred then gets down on his knees and starts praying
1: and that's the episode boom um it's just a dumb way to end it Yep I said it at the top of the episode and I'll say it again the episode would have end the episode would have ended better if the scene where Emily is being wheeled in mm had been, ha- had been the end of the episode, not the beginning. Which is where sense. it
0: doesn't make sense, because again, if you go back and watch that opening scene with a lot of the stuff that is being said, it just doesn't make sense as to how this ends. But look, we've finished it, thank God, we don't have to talk about it in again. Bin it, bury yeah. it, burn what? it, drop oh. a nuke on it, oh, shove it man. out into space, take a shit on it, because Scott Williams already did, wipe my ass with it, chew it up, spit it out, vomit it, uh, never have to talk about this episode again. Uh, I'm guessing you're binning it too, if you don't bin it, you're fired.
1: Uh so you were binning it. Um <laughs> yeah, I I'm binning it. What I was going to do, what I was thinking, okay, what I was thinking okay, count of 3 we'll both say what we're going to do. <laughs> but yeah. you you beat me to it. But and, that's and, okay.
0: And as you could probably understand right now, this is currently the 79th ranked episode out of 79 episodes. So, um <laughs> Will it get beaten, though, by vampires? Who knows? Um, it's it's, we'll it's a weird one, Season 6, and the fact that, you know, I don't remember it as well as much of the other ones, but uh, it's got its chance. We're not getting into it, and let's just point out, Season 6, Grace, meh. Um, we haven't said that in a few weeks. so I Not thought. the worst
1: character, but not the best <laughs> but, either. But, meh.
0: <laughs> Every time she's on screen, meh. So, next week um we move back collateral into, damage parts one and two yes yeah, so we're back for our third and final double episode of the season now look it definitely does not hit the highs of judgment day or crime and punishment um it has its moments
1: but but it's, it's not snow blind.
0: no i look the, the thing that i appreciate about collateral damage is i actually like part two for the flashback stuff. I love the flashback stuff with Yokus and Bosco and kind of how they met and everything. But I guess what we really do have in the next couple of weeks is a real fracture between Bosco and Yokus and Cruz comes back into it. We get a lot more of, uh, Cruz's hard tactics as a cop. Um, so look, there's, there's some interesting stuff to go through it. It. Yeah. I, it's a lot better than Snowblind, but, um, you know, we, we will have both episodes airing for you next week and also get excited for at least part two because, um, we get our very first, uh, main cast member directing an episode of Third Watch. Skip Sutter gets behind the camera for, uh, one of the episodes too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Anything adding on, uh, collateral damage? Nope. Nope, nope. I, I I guess it's probably a little bit more entertaining than Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that they released a few years before these episodes aired. So um, yeah, get on get on board. Like us on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Subscribe. Leave us some feedback. Tell us. And as I said at the beginning of this episode, please give me some reasons why Snowblind actually should Defend exist. Defend this. this. I want to hear accurate defenses. All right, things that you can honestly say should be defended about this episode that I can read and go, okay, fair point. Because, let's be honest, I'm gonna read it and think you're an idiot. So, um, you And
1: maybe to help, maybe to help them out, I know this is something that we, that we've never done, maybe to help them out, let's post the episode on the Facebook page. As in. Along with this recording. And.
0: Oh, as in the episode itself. Well, we're not gonna do that to break copyright conventions, Darvell. Come on now. Um, (laughs) but you can find it in other ways that aren't necessarily (laughs) us providing it to you. Um, but we do appreciate you listening and having to go through this episode because it was torture for both of us
1: my name is Ben and (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my name is Darbell and thank god we have this one behind us see you next week
0: thank you for listening to the Oz Network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information hit us up at theoznetwork.net